have made a huge mistake. Season 5, Episode 3, everyone gets a trophy. Although, of course, with this being Mitch Hurwitz, it's spelt atrophy. Uh, directed by Troy Miller, as ever, and written by Mitch Hurwitz. It first aired on the 29th of May 2018, along with the first half of the Season 5 episodes. We find ourselves in Lucille 2's apartment. Blue family have taken up residence there, now that Lucille 2 is missing. Michael arrives, and um, there is a, a long kind of sequence of him talking to the different members of the family, and... Um, you know, this starts with, um, you know, Michael, uh, first of all, asking about Tobias, who, of course, is now back to playing a valued member of the family, he says. Uh, of course, he has the dyed pink mustache. Uh, he says people mistook him for being a Lyft driver. Of course, Lyft has the pink mustache on the front of their cars. Uh, so the, the the mix up is understandable there. Um, and <laughs> we we see that they are shooting footage for Lindsay. Now, of course, it's important to point out that this is effectively a kind of a double meaning because they are, in effect, shooting footage for Portia de Rossi. Um, she's in this episode and she's always on a green screen. <laughs> it's, it's kind of obvious and they do kind of lean into that a little bit. The fact that she sits apart from everybody else, um, you know, when the rest of the family are talking, we only ever see the back of her head. Um, when she turns around to talk, nobody is kind of in her shot. Obviously, Portia de Rossi had retired from acting. She'd been brought back for a few episodes this season. And we do see a flashback to her talking to uh, George, of course, acting like Oscar. Uh, she mentions, of course, that uh, <laughs> he is encouraging her to be a puta. She does not know the correct meaning of that. And she he, she kind of basically doesn't want to be part of the family anymore uh, in, the, in the same way that uh, kind of Michael didn't want to be part of the family. And of course, Tobias is the only one who, and I don't know why this season, is wants to be part of the family and keeps trying to prove that. I'm not quite sure why they went with that as a, you know, a running joke for this season. We find out that, you know, Sally has fled town because she stole money from Lucille Ostero. Uh, so she could launch Tony Wonder as the gay magician. We, Of course, we get to hear a little bit of Tony Wonder. Uh, this is, I think, one of, like, there's very few appearances from Ben Stiller this season. Uh, we just kind of hear his voice coming from the bag. Uh, this is something that will be revisited later on um, in an episode. And we get a lot of kind of double talk from Job, where he talks about, you know, he's, he's reminded of Tony Wonder because of Tobias's beard. And he says that Tony Wonder's beard, and he says, you know, it tickled me. Um, and <laughs> I, it's it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like they dance around the kind of Tony Wonder double entendres for so much of this season. Um, there's there's kind of a less well, there's still not not zero, but there's there's less of Tobias's double entendres. Although there are still quite a few in this episode alone, but there's a lot more of Job referring to beards, and of course the fact that they've had John Beard uh, for these many years really helps the, with the fact that they can make that that kind of that joke you know we, we find out that job himself was in mexico all of them family of course were in mexico at some point last season uh, they were in a mexican bar and uh, wearing shirts that say <laughs> we're horny um to which of course he says daddy not horny which i think is quite funny because um you know obviously that has been a, a recurring joke uh, in previous seasons um, and then George, you know, goes through this very long metaphor where he says he feels like the bull in a bullfight being stabbed from all sides <laughs> and talking about a man wearing velvet pants. And of course, Job hears none of this apart from the velvet pants. And he says he wanted to buy the velvet pants, but he backed out. 
Uh, and he talks about a person who had a face like mine, but sane. And then he's, he kind of sings Hello Darkness, but instead of saying my old friend, he says I'm taken. That's when he gets a phone call from Lucille, who of course is reassembling the family. And he, he says, cry me a blizzard snowflake before he leaves uh, George in the bar. And after Lindsay has received the call from Lucille as well, she then calls Maybe uh, and hires her as a campaign manager. We have actually seen Maybe earlier in this episode, but maybe we haven't recognised her yet. Uh, we will find out why in a few scenes' time. Um, and, you know, the family then begins doing something which is almost like the kind of the speech thing where they start imitating each other and they all start laughing and making inappropriate jokes. Um, and, of course, you know, they insist the laughter is why they're going to win the award. And this is this is where um, we find out about the Family of the Year award. Um, you know, Lucille details it. And she also says they're not going to take it away from us, which is kind of odd because, of course, they are awarding it to themselves. Something which Michael, of course, teases out over the course of the scene and finds out <laughs> that's the only reason... Uh, that they, of course, would get any award. I, I, my favourite reaction in this scene comes from Will Arnett, where he, I mean, who is who's great, I think, pretty much in all this episode, where he is extremely excited about the family of the year and starts, you know, getting bleeped out with his excitement. Um, and he puts his head down on the lap of his new girlfriend, um, who is Joni Beard. And she, of course, is the ex-wife of John Beard. Um, and, uh, you know, she starts laughing as well, although she has a neck brace on, so she's not really doing that much laughing. Um, and then, of course, Michael asks the question, where is Lucille Ostero? And it probably leads to one of my favourite things in this episode, which is a series of stares as each member of the family just stares at Michael, um, you know, almost as if to ask, why did you ask that question? Tension is broken as Lucille says, you know, oh, you know, <laughs> she's, you know, she's gone missing and, you know, she's 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 somewhere fine and she'll be doing OK. And like everyone is kind of getting off the subject. Um, and I love how Joe, of course, he works back in. He says, you know, I'll tell you what's hard beyond belief. And he starts, of course, uh, squeezing the chest of his new beard. And he says they're like geodes. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I love everything that Will Arnett does in this scene. I think he's, you know, his enthusiasm Constant double entendres, the the use of beard um, in this manner, uh, something which, of course, they will go back to a few more times uh, in the rest of the series. It's really weird because, of course, we know that Portia de Rossi is not in the room. And yet it is, I mean, aside from the kind of obvious green screen effects, which they it feels like they kind of lean into it a little bit and make it obvious that she's not there. You know, the double meaning they're shooting footage and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's it's always nice to see the family back together. Uh, I know that some people were less than excited about season five, um, but I still enjoy the these actors playing off each other. And of course, we then cut to find out where George Michael currently is. Uh, this coming, you know, pretty soon in the timeline after, um, you know, Trump's uh, words about, you know, his thoughts on Mexicans. And of course, George Michael and his crew, uh, they feel some tension when they go to get some uh, some Cokes, which of course they say Cokes and Mexican Cokes. And of course, uh, the the person serving them points out that they're in Mexico, so they have Coke and American Coke. He basically feels uncomfortable with the tension, and so he decides to return home. But he sees a note from Michael, so he returns to his childhood home, which again leads to a wonderful little sequence, uh, which has the words total regression in a very kind of like 90s font. Um, and we see George Michael going around the home, picking up various things, you know, quicken the muscle suit, the tiny penis from the living sculpture, and, of course, puts on the muscle suit and then goes and sits by the pool. Uh, and then I, I, I personally don't know, like, how the person... I, I don't know if the girl in the pool is kind of fooled by these muscles or if she's joking or... 
if it's meant to be serious, I I'm not quite sure what the situation is. But of course, he gets in the pool, which is ill-advised, because when he gets out, the suit is soaking wet. And of course, makes it just looks kind of ridiculous, um, you know, because she wanted his number, but then instantly she, she knows that she doesn't want his number anymore. Um, so that's a nice little detail. We then, of course, see George Michael return to the garage uh, once more. Uh, you know, where, of course, he has been filmed many times before. He puts on a Darth Vader helmet, which is a two-piece Darth Vader helmet, which I once did own myself, a two-piece Darth Vader helmet. I made the mistake of lending it to a friend, and he lost it. Um, and he places... He starts referring to Michael as his Darth uh, as well in this. You know, he, he gives them a scenario which includes, you know, referring to their Darth. Um, and later on, when talking to maybe, he will also refer to my Darth. Um, which is, you know, a funny little gag that they put in. And of course, uh, the narrator tells us that, you know, some of the moves would show up later in a, uh, a solo film, <laughs> which uh, a nice little kind of nod to the fact that Ron Howard uh, ended up as the director of uh, a solo. While George Michael is revisiting his childhood even more by using the cornballer, and of course burning himself on the cornballer, he gets a message from Maybe, uh, where she suggests they be kissing cousins once more. Uh, and he's not sure how to respond. Um, and it takes him a little while to respond, but it's nice to see, of course, that he has kept his message alert as a fake woodblock sound. Um, so fake block still kind of happening in the background there. Um, and of course, when he goes over to uh, the penthouse to see maybe, uh, he opens the door, he sees her with her new grey wig, and he says, hi, don't like it. You know, proof, of course, that Michael Sarah has wonderful comic timing um, with Alia Shawcat. The two of them work so well together. Um, and we find out the escalation that maybe is tending on doing with this campaign. She's dressing herself up as older to make her mother, you know, she thought that this would make her mother appear even older than she is. Um, but so far it's been unsuccessful because, of course, uh, Lindsay doesn't want to lose maybe as her campaign manager. So she kind of just rolls with maybe's new look. She keeps giving her gaffes, uh, most of which, of course, which, of course, mimic the campaign of a presidential campaign from a, a few years ago. Uh, she makes fun of some <laughs> a British reporter putting on a British accent, uh, which, of course, ends up with John Beard being fired from the Wee BBC OC, which is a lot of uh, letters to put into the name of a programme. As the popularity keeps rising, maybe comes up with this idea where, you know, when they get the Family of the Year award, which, of course, is being given to Lindsay, um, then, of course, um, she will kiss George Michael. Uh, George Michael kind of, you know, she says this is a new plan. And George Michael reminds her that, no, actually, this, you know, she's had this thought a few times. Um, he then asks her to write a nicer speech, you know, something that will kind of persuade her mother or, you know, will, will effectively be her mother talking about her daughter, um, which, of course, she then takes to mean that she's got to escalate it further and then have some meth teeth. Uh, this, of course, is a story that will continue for the next few episodes. Uh, Michael goes to speak to his father on the balcony um, and we find out the family motto is we forget, we never forgive. <laughs> Again, this is something that will become a running joke in, in kind of episodes from now on. Of course, Michael figure, you know, kind of tells everyone that essentially all they're doing then is hanging on to the hate, uh, you know, which is apparently how Lucille keeps her figure. There are a few times where George Sr. is kind of hanging on the edge of the balcony. It looks like he's trying to fall off and kill himself. And again, that is something that will be revisited in future episodes in this season. Um, and is, is kind of actually how he will um, end up in a number of different situations. Um, and, you know, once Michael has finished talking to <laughs> to his father, he goes back into the family and, you know, uh, Job kind of talks about, you know, everyone getting a trophy. And of course, they say everyone isn't getting a trophy, Job. 
And he's like, you know, well, if you want a trophy, try harder, Job. You know, that's what you used to say. Um, and this ends up with Lucille declaring that the trophy is going to go to, um, you know, Lindsay, which Job is not happy with. And then, you know, <laughs> Lucille says, well, then everyone gets a trophy. And of course, this leads to a, a wonderful sarcastic delivery from Will Arnett saying, oh, everyone gets a trophy. And of course, she says, except for you. And he goes, come on. And he like he gets angry over the I don't know. It's just one of those well-timed things between, um, you know, between Jessica Walters and Will Arnett, just the kind of escalation to the point where Job ends up talking himself out of a trophy, basically, even though, of course, he's the only one who really cares who gets it. Um, and this is where Michael notices that Buster is not Buster. Uh, it is, in fact, Murphy Brown, uh, played by Carl Mooney. I'm not really going to discuss his performance here because obviously his part is going to be bigger as the as the season goes on. And I'll talk more about my puzzling over why they bothered casting him in that particular role. Um, but I, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of the whole Murphy Brown thing, particularly even the joke, uh, which in itself is is such a bizarre kind of reference that I I don't even understand why they did it. This starts the trend of Tobias going in and out of other characters, and uh, he mentions here that he's going in and out of Michael like a cuckoo clock bird, which is... <laughs> I find it weird that he adds the word clock, and he doesn't just say cuckoo bird, but, you know... Uh, and, of course, this is where we find out Michael's plan, he, you know, where he'd asked Buster to go missing and then turn himself in after the 48 hours, and, you know, that, that will make him a missing person. Of course, Michael did not count on the fact that... Um, you know, the forget-me-nows from Job have made him miss a day. Instead of Buster just being missing for 24 hours and Michael ready to kind of, you know, spring the kind of the plan of him being reported missing after 48 hours, he has turned himself in early and Michael has basically lost time. And, you know, it's funny actually because I, you know, the, the kind of forget-me-nows at the end of last season are now really kind of paying off as storylines in this season. Buster turns himself in and he is now a person of interest and he's he's in, he's insisted he doesn't want an attorney um, <laughs> due to Michael's advice. Of course, you know, what Michael was trying to do, he wouldn't have needed an attorney, but now he does. Uh, there's also a nice little interaction between the cops where the one says, go home to your kids. And he's like, that's why you're a good cop, <laughs> which, I, you know, I kind of I kind of like that as a you know, a play on the whole, you know, good cop, bad cop thing. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, once once Michael dis actually finally gets out of, of the apartment, he ends up running into George Michael in the corridor and they talk about scuba plans. And they make this joke about, you know, when uh, when you make plans, God laughs. And then, <laughs> then they keep mentioning plans and talking about how it's another another joke for God and more plans and you know got you know all the plans are pretty much the same and it's you know kind of the same joke why is god even laughing anymore and it's such a wonderful kind of uh, kind of weird little joke that they do and neither of them really kind of fully understands <laughs> what they're talking about and uh you know i just i just kind of love how it's it's basically small talk but they end up with this this kind of weird in in this weird kind of dead end uh, before they then of course end up on the subject of rebel uh, and this is where we get a flashback to Rebel and Michael saying that he ain't going nowhere, um, which will which will become later. You know, this will become a recurring joke throughout the season of of saying I ain't going nowhere becomes like the strongest declaration that you're going to stay with someone. Um, and then once once we get past that, we we of course we have a brief fight in the corridor. Of course, both of them are uh, trained in fighting, so none of them land a blow before. Michael repeats the the chow uh, we get a bella and then we go to the on the next uh, Michael gets back into the apartment to pick up his bag and he finds there Job doing an impression of Michael but it's not an impression of Michael it's an impression of Tobias's 
Michael. Uh, Tobias leaves with Michael at the same time. We cut to Buster in prison asking, you know, what happened to Michael always comes back. <laughs> Michael always comes back works when he hasn't been given a forget-me-now. I think this is actually quite a nice... It's not a short episode, it's still about 25 minutes, but it's more self-contained than some of the ep- other episodes, obviously, from season four. And, you know, some of the episodes of, you know, of this episode of this season as well. There's a lot more stuff once we start getting into the Beach House stuff later on in the season and the trial. We've got this the kind of the introduction here of, of various little elements that will continue on further down the line. The constant use of Joni Beard with Lindsay and, and the campaign, all that is, you know, maybe in her, her many different personas uh, for this season. Everything is kind of starting to be brought together a little bit. You know, we only get the briefest of flashbacks to Rebel. You know, we only get, you know, uh, Murphy Brown as a, as a kind of a guest actor. Most of this is the family in the apartment, which is, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoyed in the first three seasons. And that's obviously something that we missed in the fourth season. You know, this, this is obviously something that Mitch, I think Mitchell Hurwitz kind of acknowledged. And it's a deliberate effort here for him to, to have all the actors in one place. Except, of course... For Portia de Rossi, so, so um, but this is the this you know this was the the kind of the episode from which the the trailer for the season was taken, um, you know, to show that everyone was going to be in the room together again. Something which had you know, apart from one single scene in season four, uh, which was mostly put together from angles, um, you know, this is this is the kind of the only time that you know this is the, the first time that we've really had the family together since uh, probably the last episode of season three, I would say. So. You know, it's good to see that. As ever, season five is, I would say, not as good as the other seasons. But this is, you know, this is an entertaining episode. Um, you know, a lot of nice little callbacks. Um, you know, the the poster from Much Ado About Nothing, the, you know, the Dangerous Cousins DVD, um, you know, the muscle suit, Quickham, you know, the, the kind of all the all the things that you kind of remember. And, you know, the kind of a reference to We Britain, um, you know, a little inversion of, you know, The Sound of Silence, except this time with I Started a Joke. Um, and then, you know, kind of a, a few little foreshadowings of, of what's going to happen in, in further episodes. Um, and also it, it kind of resets where things were from season four. You know, obviously in season four we had the political campaign, but it was, you know, Lucille 2 versus Herbert Love. You know, whereas now we've kind of shifted things over to we've shifted things over to what will eventually be Lindsay versus Sally Sitwell. And we'll find out in a later episode that there is some, you know, history there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see that for the rest of the season. Um, so, well, you know, this is, uh, this is the first of a few episodes this season that I will be doing by myself, uh, which is a first on this podcast. Um, although I have done this a couple of times on other podcasts. So, you know, I would say keep an eye out for future episodes and otherwise goodbye. <laughs>